everyone. I'm Emily Newman, and you're listening to If I Made a Podcast, where we talk about what it takes to build your business from the ground up without sacrificing your creativity along the way. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to If I Made a Podcast. My name is Emily Newman, and I'm the founder of If I Made and the host of If I Made a Podcast. And I'm very, very excited to have Tanae Sanders of the Strategy Studio back with us today. If you tune into the last episode, you'll have heard that Tanae and I have worked together for a really long time, over six years, and she has done content strategy for me at my first business, Once Wed, as well as at If I Made. If you've taken one of our courses, Tanae is the one that actually works directly with our experts to take everything out of their brains and distill it into the beautiful courses that we make here at If I Made. She is so knowledgeable about all things content strategy, online marketing, pricing, how do you grow your circle of influence as well as how do you attract your ideal client. So I would highly suggest tuning in to last week's episode where we talk about how do you attract your ideal client. Tanae gives some really great tips on Um, especially if you're starting out and don't have a lot of resources to put towards advertising, how do you begin to attract those clients that you really want to work with? And so today we're going to be talking about your circle of influence. So I know in today's world of social media, we put a lot of effort and emphasis on, I have to be on social media. So I need to be putting all of my efforts into, but I wanted today to kind of speak a little bit more about, you know, kind of the world before social media, before we had this platform to reach people, you know, how do we go about connecting with our clients? Because I think it's something that's overlooked, but it's really, really important. And today, do you want to kind of share, oh, introduce me. Hey, today. There you go. <laughs> hey, Em. Thanks for having me. <laughs> but let's go ahead and start off with this statistic that we were talking about before we hopped on to this podcast. Yeah. So, Um, I've read a few different data points, but the most common one I found is that 85% of buyers use referrals or recommendations as a method of finding a service provider. So that's a lot. Yeah, that (laughs) is a lot. Yeah. So I think that often, like you're saying, we spend all this energy focusing on how we're going to market our business and finding customers. But it does sound a little bit old school to talk about what happened before Instagram, but So many people had very successful businesses um, before Instagram. And I think that knowing that statistic, there's a hell of a lot we can learn from kind of backtracking a little bit and remembering some of those original forms of marketing. Well, and I think for those who just aren't as big on social media and are hesitant to really, you know, just it's another tool for them to be able to pull out their toolkit of beginning to build that circle of influence and begin to attract that client that they want to work with. So, you know, if you had listened last week's episode, Tanae talked a little bit about kind of how she's been able to organically grow her business. But another person that comes to mind too is is Sarah Winward, who's one of our floral designers. Definitely. She started before Instagram was a thing. And she, the way that she got the word out is she actually started going to some of her favorite local coffee shops and leaving centerpieces at the checkout counter. With a little business card next yes, to them. Yeah. yeah. And that's how Sarah Winward, who we all love. I mean, if you're a floral designer, you know of Sarah Winward's work. That's how she started her business. And I think those practices are absolutely relevant. In fact, because they do, because they are seen as a little old school, I think uh, there's not as many people trying to do them. Uh, it's another way for you to stand out in kind of a more real tangible way. So excited to jump into this, Mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about networking, which I know for some people is like, oh, I don't want to do that. But that's kind of why Tanae referenced it as your circle of influence. It just feels less cringeworthy. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you asked me to go to a networking event, I was like, 
but do I have to? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is there something else I could do? Um, so I kind of think if we're looking at this from the perspective of like how you get referrals and recommendations, I kind of think there's two versions of this, right? So I'm going to take a guess that you're already doing the first version of it really well, which is the referrals you receive from previous clients or previous customers. So obviously that's like, if you're in the wedding industry, it's a previous bride telling a friend about you or a guest from a wedding having experienced the service you provide or the food you serve or whatever it might be, and then booking you. So I think that's one level of the referral, the recommendation. But the other one is what I call that circle of influence. And that's thinking about, if you want to look at the new age version of it, it's kind of the influencer, but who has access to your potential clients beyond yourself? Because we keep thinking, okay, well, where are my clients hanging out and how do I connect with them? But what if it wasn't only about us? What if we could use our circle of influence to do some of the marketing for us and just to give some examples to put that into context. So let's say that you're a wedding planner. So think about the order in which your clients typically book their wedding vendors. And I can't explain the logic to this, but one (laughs) thing I've seen over the years is that brides go to a photographer first. Like before, sometimes before they even have a venue, they've locked in their photographer. It's like, I don't know, there's probably some Pinterest graphic that tells you to do that, but People do it, right? So if you were kind of anyone lower in that food chain of a bride's hierarchy when she gets engaged, then you have the opportunity to benefit from a referral from a photographer. So I'm sure there's other, you can kind of apply the same concept to different vendors in the industry. But obviously, like if you're a florist, then yes, the photographer could still refer you, but maybe it's more of the wedding planner or maybe it's the stationary artist. But just think about what are those different connections of people that could refer your service. So just like one other example, let's say you're an interior designer. Obviously, having a great working relationship with building contractors in your area is going to be a good place to start. But don't stop there. Think about the locations your typical client might go scouting for home ideas if that's the local kitchen design or tile store or a particular high-end interiors or homeware store. Instagram influencers doing home renovations, the paint store. Like imagine all of the interactions that your ideal client would potentially make in their kind of deliberations before they get to the point of being like, oh yeah, now I need an interior designer. All of those people are touch points that are in your circle of influence. So it's one thing to like identify the circle of influence. And I think it's worth spending some time thinking on that because I think when we all start our businesses, we do the like, ah, outreach, I need to meet people. And then we kind of get into the comfort zone and then we kind of relax a little and we don't keep maintaining those relationships because we're busy, but we all hit the plateau. Yeah. Well, and I even know, I mean, I was speaking with a a local wedding vendor here who had kind of reached a lull in her bookings. And what did she do? She said she went back to when she first started, she started attending more networking events. Mm -hmm. She started putting her her name out there and sure enough, bookings started, you know, she started getting those influx of bookings again that, you know, but she kind of had to go back to stage one. Yes, definitely. And I think that That's a thing. You need to like identify who's in the circle of influence and then you need to grow and strengthen it. And I often say like, okay, let's come up with some ideas of how we can expand and strengthen this circle of influence. But there's a few things that I like to not always avoid, but often avoid. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd say 
The first one is the coffee date because no one has time for it. Like unless you have a pre-existing relationship that you're kind of nurturing, but if you're trying to meet someone for the first time, think about it. Did you have the time to go on that coffee date? You're like, no, this that 30 minutes or an hour, like that's valuable and I, I don't have the time yeah. to spend on the coffee date. Or otherwise sometimes it might be too hard to get to the networking event. Like I know having a young daughter, it's just not realistic to think that all those events, industry events I used to go to, like if I get to one or two a year now, I'm like ticking off my list, (laughs) but I'm not getting to them frequently anymore. And also the other one that I think is prolific in the industry is particularly the wedding industry is the offer of free services. I'm just not a fan because I think it can feel cheap and I think it devalues your worth. So I'm just, oh, can, we can go on to some examples. I'm not saying never do it, but I wouldn't necessarily pick it as a go-to way to expand your circle of influence. Yeah. Okay, so you talked about circle of influence. We got to begin to grow and strengthen it. What are some ideas that people can start taking in their business to begin to build this kind of circle of influence? Yeah, so I kind of have five areas that I'd consider like my Mm go-tos. So the first one is just to be personal and grateful. So if you've had the opportunity to interact with someone from within your circle of influence in the last, let's say in the last wedding season, how did you thank them? And I think that we probably sent them a DM on Instagram, but, and we do appreciate it and they know it, but what if you just took it a step further and you popped a card in the post, like you hand wrote something and you went and bought a stamp because apparently those still exist (laughs) and then you went to the post office and you sent them even a card you don't even have to put a gift in it but it's just taking that little step further to show them that you appreciate and value their expertise so be personal and be grateful be the first one I'd say however you choose to do that the next one I'd say is um, pay for their time or pay for their services so there's no better way to show someone you value what they're offering, then reaching out and booking their service. So let's say that you want to have a family photo session done. Why don't you reach out to a photographer friend in the industry and ask them, or let's say it's a new person you want to interact with, reach out and book a session with them. And don't go in of the approach of we're doing a trade here. Go in that you would like to pay for their services. You value what they have to offer and you'd like to use them. Please do this genuinely. Don't do it as the marketing ploy, like don't make me cringe. (laughs) Like find someone you genuinely want to connect with and have a need for their services. And if you don't have a need for their services, but you still want to connect with them, offer to pay for their time. Like, hey, I'd love to pick your brains on something or I'd love to get to know you a bit better. I absolutely appreciate that your time's valuable. What's the going rate for a one hour session with you? Can I book a time? Yeah, They're probably going to say no to the offer of money. But the fact that you offered shows that you know their time is worth something. Number three on the list is to engage with them. So if you want to befriend someone in the real world, um, you can kind of start the relationship in an authentic way in the online world. And I think like we were talking about Sarah Winwood earlier, but I know she's a great example of talking about a lot of connections she made in the industry she kind of made through Instagram. And now we're so lucky that Instagram has become this amazing community, especially for creatives. But I know that that's how so many people get to connect with other vendors. And it's not just doing the token like on the post or a heart because something's pretty. It's genuinely engaging with them and 
and reciprocating. If you're seeing that someone is starting to engage with you and you could see that there's an opportunity for relationship there, start engaging back. Don't just jump on them because they've jumped on you. So balance out the relationship, but find a way to engage with them that's valuable both for you and them. And then you can probably, once you've maintained that relationship, then you can reach out and take it in person or it doesn't also just have to be on Instagram. It could be in a lot of like Facebook groups and stuff that exist. I know loads of photographers are in networking groups and stuff. There's wedding planner groups, whatever they are. If there's opportunities in there, just genuinely engage with people. Okay, collaborate and compensate. Going to talk a little bit about styled shoots. But <laughs> <laughs> Everyone cringing? who's a wedding professional is like, oh, styled shoots. Yes, exactly. If you'd like to partner with someone in your circle of influence, you first need to consider whether the relationship is mutually beneficial or if it's one-sided. So if you have more to gain from the collaboration than they do, offer to pay for their time or materials so they're not out of pocket in any way. I remember when I used to be a florist, yes, previous life, (laughs) Um, we used to get approached all the time to do styled shoots. And I know kind of styled shoots go in waves of like being really popular, everyone hating them, being really popular and so on. But the hardest thing being a florist when you get approached is it's not that you don't love someone's vision there's a tangible cost, like your product is perishable. Same as if you're a cake artist, like yes, you might might do a faux cake, but it depends what you're being asked to make. There's still a lot of time that goes into that, but materials as well. So if you're a planner preparing the shoot, quite often, yes, you're investing a lot of sweat equity into the shoot, but it's not costing you money out of pocket. If you go to the florist asking for the centerpiece, that's costing them money. If they don't necessarily need the exposure and they already have great brand recognition, don't be offended if they say, I can't afford that or this isn't the right time. Then just say to them, you know what, I really want to use your floral design studio. I love your work. Can I pay you for it? Or can I pay costs? Can I cover your costs? Yeah. I think that's going to make a really big difference in the way that people are receptive to wanting to collaborate with you. Um, The other thing is it doesn't have to be styled shoot. Think of ways that you can collaborate that are low-cost ideas. So maybe it's like a guest blog post or email newsletters that you kind of create with friends in the industry in different ways. So maybe a wedding planner writes some tips that goes to their photographer friend's email list or maybe you do a social media takeover or an Instagram live together or I recently partnered with a photographer in Germany and together we made a guide for helping people kind of find their brand identity. She was launching mini photo shoots to help people get new brand imagery. Obviously, I do brand strategy for small businesses. So we made like a 10-page free downloadable that went to everyone on our email list together. Sure, she's not going to get clients from me that go to Germany for a brand shoot, but it helped boost her recognition in her industry and it gave something valuable to her clients. So it was mutually beneficial. We also did an Instagram live together. None of that cost either of us a cent. So don't think collaboration always has to mean a styled shoot. There's plenty of other opportunities out there to combine your expertise. Last one, number five, speak highly of them publicly. And I don't mean this in a braggy kind of way but how can you share your appreciation for someone publicly without expecting anything in return so I know the first one we talked about was be grateful and personal and this is kind of similar but just making sure you're always crediting people you collaborate with when you're sharing a post if someone asks for a recommendation don't only ever recommend people that return the favor to you 
if you think about it, if you're, a, again, taking the wedding planner example and you refer a lot of photographers that you have, haven't worked with before but you really love their work, they're going to eventually return the favour because they're going to appreciate you having spoken highly of them publicly. So these kind of five things, just to quickly recap, we had be personal and grateful, pay for their time or services, engage with them, collaborate and compensate and speak highly of them publicly. And I think that doing any one of those five things are all easy and for the most part cost-effective ways to expand our circle of influence. Yeah. Well, and I think the next point we're going to hit, I feel like may resonate a lot with the newbies in the industry because I think, I mean, a common question that I get from doing workshops and obviously running If I Made is when you're just starting out, you know, you're trying to build probably a circle of influence more than if you're an established vendor, even though that's something we probably always need to be cultivating. I think especially when you're first starting out, that's a big focus of yours. Do you have any suggestions for people who are kind of at the new phase of their business that are trying to reach, you know, the experts in the industry that they really want to work with on weddings or collaborations, anything like that? Yes, definitely. I would firstly say don't jump straight to the top of the food chain. So if you're in your first one year, two years into business, it's unlikely that someone that's 10 years into the industry is going to need, want or have time to open their circle of influence to you. They've done the hard work. They've built the relationships. And sometimes they're just not, they're not being mean, but they just don't need to. So I think this might've been a few years ago now, but in one of Ginny Oz webinars we did, someone asked a similar question to her and she just gave such a great answer that's always resonated with me. And she said to like, find your own people and grow together. So Ginny talks a lot about how I think and in your early once where days connecting with Riley and how you kind of were all growing together at the same time. And people might look at those particular brands now and, and aspire to I only wish that I could work with them, but everyone started at the beginning. So if you're new breaking into floral design or wedding design, who are those photographers at that same point in the industry? I think we all grow when we grow together yeah so find your people at that same point and lift each other up rather than trying to reach beyond in some ways what you're entitled to yeah well and I I would also encourage people to just try to be creative when it comes to reaching out or when when you get to that point of okay I really want to work with x planner um it's funny when the my first touch point with Riley was actually um she didn't submit a styled shoot to one sweater, even a wedding. We should My, probably clarify who we're talking about. Oh, yes. Yeah. So Riley Hitchner <laughs> is a uh, wedding photographer that's based in Birmingham, Alabama. And she's, I think, been, I mean, probably six or seven yeah, years in I'd business. So. so she worked a lot with Ginny Ah because they both were in Birmingham. They both kind of started around the same time. So kind of what Tanae was referencing earlier, they decided to band with a kind of a group of local vendors who are all kind of in the same beginning stages of their business and start creating content together. Well, my first interaction with Riley was, and this was back at a point where I was the owner of OneSwed, editing OneSwed, publishing weddings every week at OneSwed. Most of the times when I interact with photographers, it's because they're submitting a styled shoot to me. But I thought Riley's approach was very interesting. She had, I guess I had made an announcement on Instagram that I was pregnant or she had heard through the grapevine that I was pregnant. That was probably more it because I'm not one to share a lot on Instagram. (laughs) But she reached out to me and said, hey, I heard through the grapevine that you were pregnant. 
I don't know if you've had someone take your maternity photos, but I would love to come and do that. And I thought it was just such a really I love that unique and beautiful way to show like how can I help you at this stage of life that had nothing to do with weddings, right? Because put yourself in a top wedding planner's shoes. They are getting constantly bombarded with direct messages, gift baskets from all these different photographers, florists, videographers that want to work with them. So what can you do? Not that people don't appreciate gift baskets or direct messages saying how much you love their work, but what's something that you can do to really help them? Kind of what Tanae was saying, bring value to them in a unique way that's going to make you stand out from the rest. And I think to me, when Riley reached out, it didn't feel like she was trying to pitch me on anything. It was something I hadn't even honestly thought about getting at that point that I genuinely needed. And I still appreciate to this day. I mean, I still have those photos. So I think there are so many really cool ways and creative ways. And to Nay's point earlier, it's less about saying these are all the free services that I can give to you and really taking the time to think about, OK, how can I bring value to this person's business with the hopes that maybe one day they'll think of me of, you know what, that person would be great for X, Y and Z. And I think what you I hadn't heard that story about Riley. I love that. And when we earlier said like not offering free services, the difference there between offering free services and the way Riley approached you is she found a way to offer you value yep. versus just that. do you want a free shoot? Well, what for? Why? Yeah. She took the time to engage with you, to get to know you and understand how she could bring value. And then she came to you with an offer that delivered that. Yeah. And it wasn't even something that I think directly impacted her business. She no. wasn't trying to grow her maternity photography business. She was trying to grow her wedding business, but she knew, okay, well, may, you know, if I can create value for this person that at some point down the road, there may be an opportunity for us to work together in a way that's going to help push my career forward. It's kind of that give and take and trying to serve, find that. Serve, serve, sell. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. These are all such great ways to kind of think about how can we build that circle of influence uh, on social media and off social media as well. Just to recap, kind of these are the five things you want to keep in mind. Be grateful and personal. Think about paying for their time and service. You know, how can you engage with them? What do we do when it comes to collaboration? Is there a way to make it truly collaborative where you're sharing in the costs, you're sharing in the resources, you're sharing in the time involved, and then speaking highly about them publicly? How can we do that in a really genuine and authentic way? So we have another awesome episode coming up with Tanae, and it's all about the pricing, pricing. <laughs> which... We all know it's such a big pain point, no matter where you are in your business, when you're just starting out, it's what to charge. And then two years later, it's what to charge. And then four years later, it's what, what to, to charge. charge. <laughs> so I think it's a conversation that's going to be relevant to you no matter where you are in your business. And that'll be coming up next. So tonight, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hi there. Make sure to go to iTunes and rate, review and subscribe to our podcast so we can keep coming back to you because we want to know that you're listening.